It's a beautiful song. It's called uh, Hallelujah, I Have Found Him. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard it before. A great song. Isaiah 49 this morning. Yeah, we're in a series called Move with Compassion. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us. And once you get to Isaiah 49, or maybe if you're going to look on with somebody close to you, if you are physically able, would you stand for the reading this morning, Isaiah 49. And I know we've got some who are out today with smoke sickness, um, just from the crud from the smoke, and, and I've heard of several, so be praying for each other. Isaiah 49, and verse number 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Today we're going to talk about unconditional love. Let's pray. Father, would you give us a glimpse today of the unconditional love, of the unmerited favor that you have for us. Help us to understand how much you care for our souls so that we might care for the souls around us. Guide us now, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Listen to us, Michaela Sings. Grace, what have you done? Murdered for me on that cross. Accused in absence of wrong My sin washed away in your blood Too much to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall The scandal of grace You died in my place taught me to live and mercy my heart now to sing the day and its trouble shall come I know that your strength is enough the scandal of grace you died in my place so my soul will Give all I have 
Thank you for that beautiful song today. We pray for uh, young adults. Many of them are headed off to college this week, some locally and some far away. And we pray for their parents who are taking them. And we do have uh, some ministries here in the, in the church that have some big needs right now with all these young adults leaving. And if you are interested in, in some type of volunteer ministry here, some of it's during this hour, some of it's during the previous hour. If you take your bulletin tear off and just write your name and let us know that you're interested in that, and we'll have somebody contact you about those ministries. We also need a couple more people who would be willing to get bus licenses to help us to transport children on Sunday mornings and afternoons to and from church, and it's a great ministry. What a worthwhile thing to stand before God someday and for a little boy or a little girl to walk up and say, you were the one who picked me up and I met Jesus as my Savior. And what a wonderful thing that is. And we have some great ministries right now that we need your help on. And in fact, some of our ministries are at the point where once these young people leave in the next couple of weeks, that we have absolutely no one. And so I'm just telling you like it is this morning. If you'd like to help, let us know and we'd be happy to get you involved. Plug in, uh, take a spiritual gifts test, find out exactly what God would have for you, and thank you for being willing to do that. Well, here we are in this, in this wonderful passage, and there's so many great word pictures in this passage, and it starts here, uh, of course, with this exaltation, sing, O heavens, and be joyful, and we understand from the outset that God cares and he loves and he's comforted his people. He's had mercy on the afflicted. And, and yet, Zion said, are you sure? God, are you really helping us? Because it seems like you've forsaken us and it seems like you've forgotten us and we don't really know what to do. As human beings, we often love each other based on qualifications. Right? And you probably had, uh, when you were younger, maybe you had your dream list of what Prince Charming looked like. Right? Go ahead and look next to you right now. 
You sure that's really him? You sure that's really her? Um, you, you knew what the princess was going to look like in your dreams, and everything was great. And you had some of these qualifiers about how it was all going to work. And, and then eventually, you got to a point in life, do you remember this, where you had to let some things go off your list? Okay, so he, could, he didn't now have to be tall, dark, and handsome. Now he just had to be tall and dark. Right, And then he had to be tall, and then that one was gone. It didn't matter if he was tall or not, as long as he was a man. Right, And then your list is if you had some hair, and then if you had any hair, and then it didn't matter. You know, it's just, I just want someone in my life. So our qualifiers that we have as human beings are, are pretty interesting and extraordinary. When people are nice to us, then that's a natural thing where you say, well, I would care about that person. You know what the Bible says? That God commends his love toward us. While we were sinners, he loved us. While we're totally unlovely, while we deserve nothing, while we have no merit, while we have no favor, we're the worst of the worst, and yet he still loves us. And God's love has no qualifiers. And one of the things, this is not new to me saying this, I heard somebody say a long time ago, there's nothing that you could possibly do to make God love you anymore. As you sit here this morning, there's not a thing you could do. There's no gift you could give. There's no service you could go to. There's no chore you could do to make him love you anymore. He loves you. And there's also nothing you can do to make him love you any less. Because he's God. And his love is perfect. And it's unconditional. And we say that our love is unconditional for each other, and we read 1 Corinthians 13, and we know that charity never fails, and we've got this, this great picture of what love is supposed to look like. But how many of you honestly have gone through life and you've never been upset with another person? That's kind of what I was thinking, right? How many of you, the strangest thing, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, the easiest people for you to get upset at are the people you supposedly care about the most. Isn't that weird? It's like, boy, I really love you. Right? My wife has crafted a phrase. It's such beautiful. It's, the language behind it is beautiful. And when she says it just the right way, I always know that <laughs> I am deeply cared about. She says, uh, you're a blessing. And when she says it just that way, that is spiritual lingo, right? But it's a Jesus juke, right? She has taken spiritual lingo and she's gone the other way with it, right? And, and some of the teenagers know the Jesus juke stuff where um, te- teenagers are talking about stuff and you go, you know what, we should really pray for him. Um, and you're not really talking about prayer right then. You're talking about school or whatever. But you're just trying to get that spiritual phrase in. So if you ever want to get that spiritual phrase in with a little bit of malice, you go with, uh, you're a blessing, right? Just lay it out there like that. God's love is this unconditional love. And as we look at it this morning, I want you to see some extraordinary things from this passage. We start in verse number 14 with the cry of a baby. The cry of a baby. Here Israel, Zion, says, God, there's nothing to be joyous about. You have forsaken us. You've forgotten us. Now, 
How many of you, if you were real honest, you would say that you've ever forgotten your child at school before? Why am I the only person with my hand up? <laughs> oh, poor little Dawson. He's taller than I am now. He was four years old. And uh, one morning, I got a, a call. And I said, Mr. Van Man, I said, yes. And the lady said, have you forgotten something? Like, I don't think so. Who is this? And she said, this is Mrs. So-and-so from your son's school. <laughs> oh, maybe I have forgotten something. And you go into the room, and there he is, and he's got these big crocodile tears. Oh, heartbreaking, right? Now I look at him, there's no tears at all. Just, whatever. <clears throat> Big ugly lug now. Um, he's up in the sound booth. Hi, how you doing? Um, <clears throat> but you know how it is when we struggle with our own children and we've got this love factor and sometimes they think we've forgotten them and sometimes we make mistakes and we actually maybe have forgotten them or we've failed them or we didn't keep a promise or a commitment. Now that's not the issue here. Can somebody help this young man over here, please? Um, that's not the issue that we have here. God really does love us. And God really does care about us. And when we cry out, and when we're afflicted, we're kind of like a baby who's there in the crib. And uh, when you think about this, why does this newborn baby whimper in the night? Why is it that the toddler... Uh, cries when mom goes out of the room and maybe when you leave your baby at the church nursery, even though there's a kind, caring nursery worker there, your baby, as soon as you walk away, begins to cry. Now, why is this? And, and what does that baby think? And what's going on in that two-year-old brain? You know what they think? They've left me. They've abandoned me. They don't ever want me to eat again. They don't care about me. And you say, well, that's just because they don't understand. That's because they're shallow. Have you ever been shallow toward God? Where your circumstances were bad, and so you thought that God didn't care about you anymore? And where your afflictions were strong, and the things in your life had piled up, and you began to think, God, you're not there for me. And it's the cry of a baby. It's natural. Our little daughter is two years old, and she'll come up to me, and she'll say, Dad, I need hold you. And what that means is I'm supposed to hold her, right? She wants me to pick her up and hold her. Dad, I need hold you. Now, there's no way in the world when she says that that I would ever, ever not do it, right? You'd have to tear my arms off, and then I'd still try to pick her up with my neck. Why? Because when she's there and in my presence and she cries, it just breaks my heart. Uh, the, I told you a few weeks ago when my wife was out of town about the worst possible thing that ever happened in our home is when we had to take the pacifier away. We had to cut the end of the pacifier off. And uh, I may have said that my wife was a Nazi. I don't remember. We could check the tape on that. But I tell you what. It's a struggle because here you've got this tiny baby that wants something and you feel like, oh, I wish I could step in and do that. And so Israel wanted something. Have you ever wanted something that wasn't good for you? 
Have you ever known a child to want to eat suckers all day? Right? Have you ever known a sixth grader who could not possibly put down the half gallon of ice cream? They just keep eating and eating and eating. At about 10.30 that night, oh, they're crying out of pain. Why? Because they just eat, ate a half a gallon of ice cream. And it's not doing so well right now. And there's this, there's this lack of moderation that we have where we think that we want something or we know something. And it's the cry of a baby because we are simple and because we don't really understand. And so here they were, and they're crying because they think they've been forsaken and they think that they've been forgotten. Now I want you to look at the beginning of verse number 15. It says, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. You know, I have seen some of the toughest, strongest, cowboyish men on earth have tears running down their face at the sight of their daughter holding her baby at the side of their wife holding her baby. I've seen men who would, haven't shed a tear since they were two years old shed tears at that. Why? Because of love. Because they're watching that affection. And, and here is the word picture that is closest to our hearts anywhere in the Bible. We say in your notes today that we have nothing on this earth that is as forceful a picture of God's love as a mother's love for her child. And yet, look down at verse 15 again. Look what it says. Yea, they may forget. And so it could be as human beings that even moms could abuse a child or afflict a child or abandon a child. It could happen. It's possible, even in this beautiful word picture that God's given us, that there could be a problem with that motherly love. I want you to go back, if you would, to a story in Genesis chapter 21. And uh, if you know the name Hagar in the Bible, Hagar was an Egyptian woman that was bought into Abraham's family when they went down into Egypt for a while. And Hagar uh, was forced or told by her master or her master's wife to have a child with her husband. And what an awkward, what a horrible situation. We can't even begin to fathom really how it all worked. But now she's had the baby, and uh, he's getting to be up in years, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, and uh, some would say even younger than that because of the context. But if you look what happens, I want you to see that she had gone, she had been sent out. Genesis 21, verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it up to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice 
and wept. So here's a mother who has nowhere to turn. There's absolutely nowhere to turn. And back, obviously, this thousands of years ago, there were no social programs to help her. There was no city mission to help her. There were no churches around to help her. There was nobody to help her. And she goes and puts her child under a shrub, and she goes a hundred yards off, and she's sitting there weeping because she knows that she has left her child to die under that bush. Can you even imagine this? We're staggered at the thought of this because we're reasonable people. And she's left her child to die. And yet, we find out what happens. It's so beautiful. Verse number 17. Look at what it says. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called the Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And there's this picture of where mom couldn't do any more, where human ability and human reasoning and human strength ended. God started. Now, this is where we kind of transition in our message. We understand that we as human beings in our love, we are so frail. There's only so far we can go. You've probably, somebody in your life, you have loved them to the nth degree, and it wasn't enough. You have tried as hard as you could possibly try, and it wasn't enough. And some of you dads, you go home with your shoulders shrunk at night because you're doing as much as you can to provide for your family, and it's still not enough. And you're doing everything you can to provide for your wife or for your children, and it's just not enough. And I want you to know this morning that where the compassion of a mother ends, that we see this third part, the comfort of our father begins. So where we can't go anymore, where we can't stretch any further, God picks up the slack. God's the one who provides in the wilderness. His grace is sufficient for us. Now go back to Isaiah 49. Let's see this next part of the passage. And I want you to notice it's, it's so powerful. The end of verse number 15, Isaiah 49. It says, Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. So even though a mom could fail her own children, even though a dad on this earth could fail his own children, even though a husband could mess things up in his marriage, even though a wife could falter and fail in her marriage, there is a God in heaven who goes beyond the human relationship. There is a God in heaven who gives us real, authentic, unconditional love. Yea, they may forget, but I'll never forget. God says, I've got this. I love you, and I have loved you before you ever loved me. I've loved you before you were ever born. God tells Jeremiah, the next prophet after Isaiah, he said, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. 
and I loved you. And I called you. And I had a purpose for you. You know, well before you got to this place today, well before you ever arrived on this earth, there was a God in heaven who loved you. He loved you with an everlasting love and He drew you to Himself through Jesus Christ on the cross. So here we have the comfort of a father. We understand that Jehovah God never forsakes His children. How many of you still love that child of yours even when you can't see him? Even when they're in another room? Even when they're in another state or continent? Even if one of your kids went up as an astronaut to the space station, they can't see or hear you, but you love them. Why? Because they're yours. And even when we can't see Jehovah, and even when we can't sense Jehovah, we can know He's there. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is just a few pages back from this in Isaiah chapter 43. I love this passage. Anytime I'm struggling in my life, I go to Isaiah 43. And I know that this passage was not originally written for me, and it was not originally written for our time period, or even for us as a people. But it's a promise. It's a principle of God's Word. And it's so beautiful in language. Look what he says in Isaiah 43. But now, thus says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isn't that great? He says, I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. God, the God of the universe, saying that to you. He knows every part of you from the inside out. Then it gets even better. Verse number two. There's such a key word here. It's the first word. When... Thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Do you notice it didn't say, if you pass through the waters, I'll be with you? It says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with thee. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore I will give men for thee and people for thy life. God gives us such beautiful language in these chapters in Isaiah. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I'm your guide. Isaiah 40, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know, God has comfort for you in your life, no matter what the situation is. When human comfort and human care has stopped, ceased, failed, messed up, God's still there. I wish that we could convey this to every person on the planet, don't you? Isn't it so hard when you see someone who's at the end of the rope and you wish you could help them to understand God loves you? 
God cares about you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. He's done something that no one else could do. The comfort of our Father. I want you to go back now into Isaiah 49. Let's see this last part. And verse number 16 has a prophetic word picture. And I know you're going to see it right away now that I said it's prophetic, all right? So Isaiah 49, verse number 16. Look what God says to them. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Do you know God sees every detail of your life? The Bible tells us that His Word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. God sees what happens in your home inside and out. God sees what happens in your vehicles inside and out. He knows the walls of your dwelling place. God knows everything about you. And this message to Israel was, I see what's happening in the walls of Jerusalem. I know what's happening inside the temple and outside of the temple. I know what happens in every tent, every dwelling place. And then there's this word picture that we skipped over. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. You know, this passage was written, historians tell us, in 712 B.C. And about 745 years after this, there would come a day where a man named Jesus would be beaten. They would shove thorns into his head. They would whip him with a cat of nine tails across his back 39 times. They would place a cross upon his back and they would send him down a road called Golgotha, Via Dolorosa. And it said, go up that mountain there. We will crucify you. And as he got to the top of the mountain and they stuck the cross in the ground, you know they put the nails right in his palms? And this prophecy that God has given hundreds and hundreds of years before comes true in Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ stretches out his arms on the cross, he comes to earth to write your name and my name in his own precious blood. That's why he came. And so how much does Jesus love us? He loves us enough to stretch out his arms and die on the cross for us. God loves you. It's an unconditional love. And I have to tell you this morning, we're limited. We said this at the outset. We're limited in our love for each other. We try. But you know, sometimes we wear out. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get consumed with our own lives and with our own circumstances and with our own trials. I don't know if you've been married for very long or if you've been in relationships and, and sometimes what happens is you really want to work hard on it and you say, boy, we should communicate more. And, and my wife and I, we've had these conversations over the years and we, we would, when we were younger and we would say, listen, we're going to have a time where we talk every day. And some days we just didn't get it done. And, and then we'd say, we're going to read a book together at night. And she'd start to read, and I'd be like, oh. you know, I was praying with my feet pointed toward heaven. If you know what I'm saying there. Um, 
And it didn't seem to work out. And sometimes she'd say, we really need to talk. And I'm like, yeah, let's talk. And I just couldn't do it. I just flamed out. And now we have figured out a way where we actually can talk to each other without falling asleep. We walk while we talk. And I haven't fallen asleep yet while I'm walking. Right? So I know it could happen. When I was in college, there was this guy in college. And our rule in our college was, if you were falling asleep in class, you had to stand up, right? And so he had one of these black podiums, and he put his notebook on it, and he worked third shift all night long. And I've always felt sorry for the guy. And he's standing there, and he's kind of, you see him start to go like this. And I'm across the room like, whoa, no good, not good. And he literally, one of those black stands right there, he goes all the way down on it to the floor, okay, the whole thing bent all the way down. He smacked the floor, and he never woke up. That's how tired he was. Yeah, have you ever been that tired? So we, we fail in relationships. We falter. We never can go far enough. We can't heal things on our own. We can't fix things on our own. But there's a God in heaven who can. And I want you to know that whatever circumstance you're in today, that this God of Israel wants to be your God. This God of creation wants to have relationship with you. He wants to be the next step in your life. He cares for you. He cares for your soul. Jesus wants to be a part of you this morning. Let's bow together in prayer. As we bow, can I ask you this? With no one looking around, maybe you're here today. <clears throat> And you say, Pastor, I need that love in my life. I don't have anybody who cares for me that way. I need that relationship in my life. I need something to fill the hole in my life. I need Jesus. Anybody like that here this morning with no one looking around, would you slip your hand up? Say, Pastor, I need a relationship with God in my life. Yes, I'll pray for you. Yes, I'll pray for you. Yes, I'll pray for you. I want you to know that we can take the Word of God and show you today how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, would you work now in our hearts today? We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your goodness and for your love. We thank you even for this word picture that where our desire to love ends, yours begins. Where we fail, even though we're trying so hard that you began. I pray that you would work in each life today. Guide us by your grace. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to do this in just a minute. We'll dismiss yeah, those who have the little tag for the backpack. Just before we do that, though, I want you to meet some folks. Uh, we have been making some transitions around here these last